My name's Dan Riley and I ride motocross. My dad rode and my grandpa before him, so I'm really like a third generation. Been riding my whole life. There's 70 year old motocrossers out there. I'm gonna ride as long as my body will allow it. It's very physically demanding, but I easily see myself pushing 50, maybe 60, riding dirt bikes. It's all like, you know, body mechanics and physics at work. I mean, you're essentially wrestling around a 200 plus pound piece of machinery. It all harmoniously works to where it's like a superhuman feeling. When you're just chasing after a thrill for the sake of it, what first gets you hooked doesn't give you that same amount of joy that it did in the beginning. And I sort of am able to take a step back and look at all this as like, hey, this is just something fun that I get to do with my time while I'm here. And not that it's the end all be all of, of everything. I feel like a prodigal son in the way that I've always known God, but I've not always followed God. But he's always given me a second chance. If you picture him like a father, which he is, you don't just go to your parents every time you need to borrow the car. You want, they want to have a relationship. So that's kind of what I've been really trying to do is try to you know, get my heart right so that I can at least get with God. I can honestly say that, you know, following God makes all the difference. All right, well, welcome to our new series called Thrill Sequence. This is week one. How many saw Dan do that motocross? We're like, I want to do that. How many were like, you're like, yeah. I mean, how many moms honestly were praying, not my boy? <laughs> okay, a few moms were like, no, not me. I saw that. I was like, yes, I want to do that. And I do want to say this. I caught it, Dan, when you said this. You said, I could see myself doing it till like almost 50. Like that was old. And as somebody approaching 50, I'm offended, all right? I'm just letting him know. Right. But in this series, we're going to look at uh, the thrill sequence that I think people live for and get caught up in. And people love motocross, climbing. They love flyboarding. Matter of fact, in week three, we're going to introduce you to that sport, flyboarding. It's brand new. Uh, people love amusement parks. People love living dangerous. People love adventure. And, and I got to tell you, I'm one of those people. I love it. I, uh, I once was doing a sabbatical with the church. They gave me a month off to rest and refresh myself, and I went on a tour of amusement parks. And uh, Becca just let me know that is not restful, okay? So we did it once. But I mean, I was there. I wanted to go on the roller coasters and all that. I, I once started a life group just because I wanted to do scuba diving and uh, got scuba certified. I was like, I'm mean, like, that's a great life group to do. And uh, I, I just, I love, I love that stuff. And I know that many people do. And I think our culture has become trapped in what we've called the thrill sequence. Now, in this series, we're going to explain what is the thrill sequence, um, because that is a term that we actually made up. The, the term thrill sequence came from River Valley uh, when we looked at culture around us. We're going to look at what are we made for and what's supposed to really thrill us. And then in week three, we're going to look at uh, don't waste your adrenaline. Okay, because I think God has given us an amazing gift of adrenaline. He's given us the ability to seek after amazing adventures. 
And I don't think we should waste them. We should go after the things that really matter. So as we get this started, let me explain this term, um, thrill sequence. We actually coined it and just came up with it because here's what was happening. I was looking at culture, and uh, one of the things I'm, I'm always doing as a pastor is I'm, I'm looking at the things that God is doing, and I'm looking at the things that culture and the world is doing. I'm trying to be a bridge to say, here's what God wants us to change, and here's how we can connect to God. And, and one of the things I was noticing about our culture was that it looked like people are getting just sucked into do as much as you can, do as many things, get caught up in the thrill, the adventure, like living for that was what it was really all about. And uh, after I was explaining this to our creative team and, and reading them some scriptures that God placed on my heart, they helped me to come up with this term, thrill sequence. And here's what it means. It means people live a life and they get bored and they, they want a thrill in their life. And so they go and find some thrill to do. And then they go and share it with everyone. They tell everyone about it. Maybe they do photos or whatever, and they tell everyone. They tell the story about it. Then they go back and do it again. But when it loses its thrill, they look for a greater thrill, a bigger thrill. And they get trapped into a thrill sequence. And it's like we're, we're, we're sucked into this world that's like, you've got to get another thrill. You've got to try for another thing. There's more. There, the, the thing that you're missing is more. Go after it. And although that living like this is not new, the term is new, thrill sequence, but living like this is, is something that people have struggled with all throughout the ages, and we'll see that when we look in the Word today. But I believe our society has elevated the thrill sequence to being on steroids, okay? I'm talking Red Bull, Five Hour Energy, X Games, ESPN, crazy. It's just on steroids where we're like, okay, what's the next thing we can do? What's the biggest thrill? What can we do this? This almost defines my life because I am living for the thrill sequence, Matter of fact, I found a guy at Temple University, Frank Farley, has a PhD, and he's, he's identified in our culture, he calls them T-types, T-types. He said they're there for the thrill. They love the thrill, the risk, the stimulation, the change, the variety, the intensity. They love the uncertain outcome. They're just T-positive or T-negative. They could take that for the good or for the bad, and we'll look at that in week three. But he's saying all these people are driven to go after it and be risky. And he, he even does a parenting thing for parents that just have identified that is a T-positive kid right there. How many wish he was around 20 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. He's out there helping people to understand this. But here's the thing. We've identified it. We live in it. We didn't invent living like this, but we coined the phrase. But here's the thing. Another thing that has just caused it to go to another level is social media. Okay? If you're over 40-ish, Facebook is probably something that you're very familiar with. If you're under 40, Instagram is something that you're really, you know, aware of. And for those of you that don't know, Instagram has caused this to go on steroids. Instagram is where you post a picture of whatever you're doing. Instead of having to watch a celebrity do it, or instead of having to wait till the evening show to see what everybody was doing, you can be a part of it, and you can watch the celebrities up in real time and see what they're doing, and you can let the whole world see what you're doing. And people start living to put that photo out there. And they put the photo out and put the photo out. They're saying, I'm doing it. I'm living the thrill sequence just like everybody else. And it's this uh, culture that has experience cramming. That's what it's called. It's called experience cramming. Like, I want to do as many experiences as I can so I can cram them in and I can show you that I'm doing all the things that you're doing. That's where you see people... Um, Eating dinner hanging from a cable. How many have ever seen that? Like 200 feet in the air, and there's a dinner table, and they're up there, and they're like, hey, this is fun. It's not fun, okay? They're terrified. 
But they're like, I got the photo. I did it. You didn't, you know. That's why they're diving in the shark cage, and they're terrified to do it. But they're, they're doing it to post it. That's why. And we get sucked in. And honestly, again, I'm in it. I got a picture of me. I was wave surfing, you know, out at uh, one of the lakes here. And I'm like, here's my, I said, even the old guy did it. You know, all right, let's do this. And I'm out there getting into it too, because it's almost like Instagram has become today's credibility. It's the currency, if you will, for this generation. It's the currency because they put it out there, they post it, I did it, you didn't. And even if other people can do what you do, here's the thing, we, you just say, I'll do it faster than you. I'll do more than you. People are like, yeah, I woke up this morning, here's an Instagram, ran my first triathlon, got to rest before my second one, you know, and you're like, really, seriously? You know, had lunch today with Justin Bieber, you know, and now I'm going to climb the Statue of Liberty and, you know, bungee jump for my birthday off the Eiffel Tower. You know, like, really, seriously? In one day you did all that, you know? And they're like, see, because I do more than you, I experience cram, and I put it all in, and I do more than you. And that's like the world that we're living in. It's I was there, I did it, I'm better than you, I, I crammed it all in. And, and I'm just saying this, as I look at culture, and I look at what God's doing, I look at culture, I think we're getting sucked into culture. I think we're getting sucked into culture. And I'm just thinking, if I was trying to distract people that could make a huge kingdom difference that had all sorts of resources and were world changers and all this, if I was trying to strategize against them, I'd distract them. I'd distract them. I'd get them to chase after things that don't matter. I'd get them to spend their wealth on the latest and the greatest and the next and the best and never invest in the kingdom of God. And I'd get them chasing after this and I'd get them so busy they could never be in a life group and I'd get them so busy they could never serve and I would try to get them to sucked into the thrill sequence. And so as your pastor, I'm asking us to take a critical look at the thrill sequence and see if there's something better we can live for. Is there something more important? And I believe that there is. Proverbs 21 talks about it. And before I read this, I'm just gonna say this. There's a, if you ever think I'm busy and I, I, I am busy, I do like this and I'm high energy and I love to do this stuff and I do probably Instagram way too much, I am confessing that. Um, but there is a pastor in New York, Pastor Carl Lentz of Hillsong Church there and like this guy, the day that I described, he does that. He's like, played with Oklahoma City, went and met with Bieber, bungee jumped off the Eiffel Tower, had my kid's birthday party and I'm preaching tomorrow. Like he wins, all right? I just I proclaim, Carl, you win, all right? So I'm not gonna keep up with you. Um, but the, Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21, 17, it says, you're addicted to thrills. What an empty life. The pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. The writer of Proverbs, as I'm reading this, I was just reading this during my devotion time, like you do, my soap devotional, and I'm reading it. It just popped off the page as I was reading the message translation in my devotion that day. You're addicted to thrills. What an empty life. The pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. It just hit me. That's the thrill sequence. People get addicted to thrills and they chase and chase and chase. And the writer of Proverbs is just telling us, you're never going to, you know, it's never going to be satisfied. There's never going to be enough. There's always going to be more. There's going to be somebody doing more than you. Proverbs 15, 21, another one, again, just jumped off the page as I was reading my Bible. The empty-headed treat life as a plaything. The perceptive grasps its meaning and make a go, for it, go of it. It's saying the empty-headed, the people that don't really, aren't thinking it through, they're just living in the thrill sequence. They just treat it like a plaything. What's next? Check. What's next? Check. What's next? Check. We are addicted to the thrill sequence. Matter of fact, John Piper said this. He said, we are the first generation in danger of amusing ourselves to death. Think about that. We have so much, we can do so much. Never before could we invent things and experience things and go after it and amuse ourselves to death. 
And what I don't want to have happen is I don't want to have us as followers of Jesus Christ get sucked into the thrill sequence and just live a lukewarm life. It's not what I want. I mean, I, again, I am not opposed to the fun. I am not opposed to those things. But I just think that we need to be living for more. And when I look at it in my life, I say those things are like dessert. They're just like the little extra at the end. It's not the real meal of life. It's just the little extras that I get to enjoy. And we need to have a, a good perspective on the thrill sequence. Now, I just want to say this because I, I know that there's a part of the church that just totally is like, Pastor Rob, I'm so not in the thrill sequence. I do nothing. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I just watch TV, you know? Okay. <laughs> Can I say this? Don't die dull, okay? Don't die dull. Thrill sequence addiction is wrong. Never doing anything and just watching TV is wrong too, okay? Don't, those two are both extremes, and I think God has more for us to live, so don't do that. And if you are like, I don't hardly do anything, weeks two and three will really apply more to you, all right? So just letting you know. Okay, so the thrill sequence. Here we are, we're living in this, and is there anything in the Bible, like we just made up this term, we got a couple of scriptures from Proverbs. Is there anything else in the Bible that would help us to understand this? And I would say yes. If you turn to Ecclesiastes chapter one, I'm gonna read a couple verses there, and then I'm gonna to go to Ecclesiastes chapter two. This is a, a, a writing by Solomon, who was the wisest man in all the earth. You may not realize this. He was king of Israel. Uh, he was called to sacrifice and make an offering to God on the day of the dedication of the temple. So he goes and does this, and when he goes to do this offering, like God's wanting this much offering, and Solomon just does like way more than God was even expecting. And God's like, your generosity so blows me away. That's so good. I'm so glad you did this. I'm gonna give you one wish. And he got what all of us would hope for. God's saying, I'm gonna give you one wish. And so Solomon's like, okay, I will wish for wisdom. I wanna be smart. I wanna rule these people. And God's like, great choice. Everything else you could ask for, I'm gonna give you. I mean, that's a, good, that's a good wish. I mean, you're like, all right, you did the so good, you get everything, you know, and, and he did it. So this guy says, because of that, because I have all this knowledge, because I've got it figured out, I'm gonna try to figure out why do people live in this life of chasing after things? Now, he didn't know the term because we invented it, but he really was saying like, you know, <laughs> why, why are people living in the thrill sequence, Okay. So let's look at what he says. Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse one. He said, these are the words of the quester. Okay, so he's got a nickname. He's so into the thrill sequence, he's like, I am the quester, all right? So he said, these are the words of the quester, David's son and king of Jerusalem. Skip down to verse 12 in chapter one. He says, call me the quester. I've been king over Israel and Jerusalem. I looked most carefully into everything, searched out all that is done on the earth. And let me tell you, there's not much to write home about. <laughs> He says, God hasn't made it easy for us. I've seen it all, and it's nothing but smoke, smoke, and spitting into the wind. Not very encouraging. So he continues in chapter two. He says, I said to myself, let's go for it. Let's experiment with pleasure. Have a good time. But there is nothing to it, nothing but smoke. What do I think of the fun-filled life? Insane, inane. My verdict on the pursuit of happiness, who needs it? With the help of a bottle of wine and all the wisdom I could muster, I tried my level best to penetrate the absurdity of life. I wanted to get a handle on anything useful we mortals could do during the years we spent on this earth. 
Oh, I did great things, built houses, planted vineyards, designed gardens and parks, and planted a variety of fruit trees in them, made pools of water to irrigate the groves of trees. I bought slaves, male and female, who had children, giving me even more slaves. Then I acquired large herds and flocks, larger than any before me in Jerusalem. I piled up silver and gold, loot from kings and kingdoms. I gathered a chorus of singers to entertain me with song. And most exquisite of all pleasures, voluptuous maidens for my bed. Oh, how I prospered. I left all my predecessors in Jerusalem far behind, left them behind in the dust. He's saying, guys, I smoke you. You are nothing. You lose at the game. I am the thrill sequence quester. I win. He says, what's more, I kept a clear head through it all. Everything I wanted, I took. I never said no to myself. I gave in to every impulse, held nothing back. I sucked the marrow of pleasure out of every task. My reward to myself for a hard day's work. Then I took a good look at everything I've done, looked at the sweat and the hard work, and when I looked, I saw nothing but smoke. Smoke and spitting into the wind. There was nothing to any of it, nothing. So here's the guy the thrill sequence king, the quester, the guy that's getting caught up in everything. And he says, at the end of it, you know what it is? It's smoke. It's smoke. It was a way of him saying, you know what it is? It's burnout. It's burnout. You're going to live that life. You're going to burn out and it's going to amount to nothing. He said, this life is so dumb and so useless. If you live this way, it's like spitting into the wind. And in case you didn't know that, that's an insult. It means you're so dumb, you don't even know to spit down when you spit into the wind and it gets on you. That's dumb. And Solomon was like, that's dumb. It's just dumb. It's burnout. It's smoke. It's over. You're spitting in the wind. You get on yourself and you're proud of your life. You spit on yourself. That's nothing to be proud of. It's stupid. And yet we are so sucked into it. We got to do it. We got to keep up and go get there. Go do that. Go do that. Go everything. And, and we've got to learn from this guy. Now, I love this that he went after all these areas because I know how you think. I know how I think. Sometimes when I hear a message like this, I'm like, well, I'm not doing that. Okay, but I think Solomon covered every area. He covered wisdom because some people are PhD thrill seekers. I've met them. First church I was in, this guy had two PhDs and no job. So he's coming to the church and he's like, I think I'm gonna go back to school and I'm asking if the church will help support me. I'm like, dude, you have two PhDs, you need a job. Get a job, we're tired of paying for you. You know, get a job. And, and he was he really, he was like addicted to the thrill sequence of get a PhD, get another one, get another one. I mean, not me, but he was doing that. And I was thinking, you know, Solomon said, I was addicted to wisdom. I, went, I got it. And if you're addicted to the thrill of the next degree and the next degree and being smarter than the next person, that's just as bad as chasing after something and never uh, amounting to anything. He said, I did it. I chased after pleasure. Party and fun. Uh, according to 1 Kings chapter 4, one day for Solomon, one day, this was his regular party day. 10 fat oxen every day, 10 fat oxen, 20 grade A cattle were slaughtered, and 100 wild animals to feed him and his entourage, his party, every single day. This guy was living Great Gatsby every day. And he says, You know what? It's meaningless. It's meaningless. I've tried it all, I've lived the high life. It's meaningless. He says, basically, I've tried mind-altering drugs, and he started with alcohol, and, and that would apply to all different things that are mind-altering, mood-altering. If you graduate and you've gone on to like illegal drugs or something like that, and you're saying, maybe the next high will get me better, and the next high, maybe the next thing, maybe the next thing will dull the pain and fill the void and do that. He's like, I've tried this. 
I've tried this. It doesn't answer it. It, it, It's really meaningless. If you chase after those things and spend all your money on that. Sometimes I've counseled with people that are addicts and they tell me how much they spend and I'm thinking, you could have bought a house with that. You could have bought a house. You were chasing after the wrong thing. And Solomon would say, don't chase after that. It won't meet your needs. He said, materialism, I've tried it all. I've had the clothes. I've had the gold stacked upon the gold, upon the silver. I've had it. I've had the chariots. I had the custom rims. I had it all, you know. (laughs) He's like, it doesn't work. It doesn't answer the need. He says, authority, you know, because some people are in a thrill sequence of authority. I will be boss. I'll be owner. I'll be this. Some people are politicians, and they are addicted not to helping people, but addicted to the authority. I'm going to be mayor. I'm going to be governor. I'm going to be president. I'm going to be. I I watch some of these people run for president, and I think, you have no shot. But I'm sure that something in them is like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. I'm I'm not going to get this close and not try for it. I'm going to do it. And it's like a thrill sequence of trying to uh, win another title. He says, I've tried security. I've tried lots of money and all these things that people can have. And there are people that are addicted to the deal. There are people that are addicted to what's next, how much more, how much can I do? I believe Wall Street has people that are addicted to the thrill sequence and they live that way. What's the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing? I was talking to a financial planner this week and he said, he was talking to somebody, he said they had enough money for 20 lifetimes and they're like, I gotta have more, I gotta have more. What's the next deal? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And he's like, well, do you wanna help change a charity forever? I don't know, I, wanna, I, I just need more, I gotta have more. And he's thinking, you could change a charity's future forever and ever and ever if we just did part of what you have. And they're like, but I, I, there's more, there's, I gotta get the deal, I gotta, you see, that's thrill sequence. You could really make a difference or you could live in the thrill sequence. Solomon said, I've tried it, music and sexual entertainment. The Bible tells us that Solomon had 700 wives, 300 concubines. Those are like assistant wives, okay? So they're like 1,000 wives, okay? I did the math on this because I was like, dude, had a thousand wives. You know, like if he had a wife a week for his, like, you know, how long would it take him to come back to the first wife? 19 years. <laughs> 19 years. Like, could you imagine that 19 years of age? And you are your first wife. You know what I mean? Can you imagine that? <laughs> He's like, I tried it. I'll use speed daters, match.com, you know, chasers. If you're just looking to have another notch on the belt, you're not looking for someone to spend the rest of your life with. If you're just trying to have a sexual conquest, he's like, tried it, done it. It's smoke, it's smoke, it's spitting in the wind, it doesn't meet your needs. He says, I've tried it all. I need to agree with what Dan says, that what first hooks you doesn't get you anymore. Because if you caught that in the video, Dan's like, at first what hooks you doesn't get you. He's like, it's gotta be a hobby. If this is life, this is empty. That's what Solomon would say. And what I've discovered with people that live this life, here's what happened. If you live the thrill sequence, it's an empty life and it becomes a very selfish life. If you read Ecclesiastes chapter two, depending on what translation you're in, Solomon says, I, me, my, 59 times. I, me, my, Instagram, I, me, my, Facebook, I, me, my, my stuff, my things, my adventures, my this. And if you don't watch it, if you live a life in the thrill sequence, you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna use people and enjoy things. It's the wrong way. You're supposed to use things and enjoy people. You're gonna be in their presence wondering, how can I get the angle? How can I get in the boat? I wanna get the picture with the boat. How can I get that? And how can we go skydiving? And how can I do that? And we, maybe I'll have lunch with that famous person. Then, and you're using people and you're just a selfish person. And that's a very, very, very empty and shallow life. That's what Solomon would say. I'll tell you what, again, don't get me wrong. I have bucket lists and I'm gonna talk about that in this series. 
I have a list of things I want to do. I have 100 places to see before I die. You know, I just kind of found it and thought, that'd be cool. I wonder how many I could see before I die. And uh, I want to tell you something that brought me great joy the other day. I was in Norway and I was preaching and um, I was in Estonia, then they flew me over to Norway and I preached the service and they said, oh, Pastor Rob, they said, we know this, we found it on your blog, there's a hundred places that you want to see before you die. One is like just a few hours away from here and we didn't know that, so we couldn't get you there, you know, because you're preaching multiple services and maybe next time we could get you there. And I was like, that's okay. I said, I didn't even know it was here. Like, you know, we're good. I mean, I'm just here to preach. I just, uh, it's Okay. And it kind of made me feel good. And here's why. Because it'd be very tempting to go, where do I want to preach that I can check off a bucket list thing? And it made me feel good that my motive was just, I just want to preach. I just want to help you grow. I just want to help your church. Oh, there's a bucket list thing? Oh, that's cool. When I was in uh, Morocco and went to Fez, I was like, oh, that's on my list. I didn't even know that. And I was like, that's awesome. That's cool to do that. I, I don't use people so that you can enjoy things. It's an empty life. What's your checklist? What's your thing that the Holy Spirit's saying, don't do that. That's a lonely, lonely, lonely life. Psalm 49 even says it's so lonely. This is what it says. This is what happens to those who live for the moment, who only look out for themselves. That's really the thrill sequence. Death herds them like sheep straight to hell. They disappear down to the gullet of the grave. They waste away to nothing, nothing left but a marker in a cemetery. But me... God snatches me from the clutch of death. He reaches down and grabs me. I mean, it's an amazing thing. If you live the thrill sequence and you're only for the thrills, it just says, nothing left. No one will care where you ate, what thing you did or rode or adventure you did. It'll be a cemetery plot with a little marker there. But what'll really matter is what God does with you. What really matters is what you do with him. Matter of fact, at the end of it, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon comes back and he says, here's it. This is it. I've done all of it. I've done the thrill sequence. I've lived it. Here's what it is. Fear God and obey his commands. And he didn't mean be afraid of God. What he meant was, you know, be in awe of him. It's all about him. Be in reverence. Be in awe. Be in love with him. Be delighted in him. Think it's amazing that you have a relationship with God and then obey what he says. That's like really what it's all about. So we need to learn from him. And Jesus said it better in Luke 9, 25. He says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? He's like, who cares if you win in the game of Instagram? Who cares if your social status is experience crammed full of things that nobody else has done? Man, if you do all that and lose your soul, you lose. So with all this, we got to ask ourselves, what are we living for? In this series, we're going to ask, what are we living for? Uh, what are we made to enjoy? And I want to tell you again, I am not against pleasure, all right? And, and neither is God, okay? I can prove that God is not against pleasure. Taste buds. <laughs> and if that's not good enough for you, bacon. God gave us bacon. <laughs> that, I mean, he is not against pleasure. I mean, he's for pleasure, okay? But it's not living for pleasure. It's for living for more than that. And we need to say, you know what, God, do I want to live for what's really important? Or do I want to live caught up in culture and the thrill sequence and go after it and chase, chase, chase? And it's a problem that we face, not the rest of the world. Not everybody faces it. They're not as affluent as we are. But we chase after it. What do we need to live for? So in this series, let's have a critical examination and then two other things as I close. Maybe God is going to call you to talk to someone about their thrill sequence. Maybe there's somebody in your life and they're just out of balance and God's prompting you to talk to them. Have the courage to talk to them. Now, let me say this. 
Whenever I know that it's God prompting me to confront someone, this is kind of how I know it. I don't want to do it, okay? If I'm ever like, good sermon, I can't wait to slam them, that's probably not God, all right? I'm just letting you know, okay? (laughs) But if it's like, oh, God, why do you want me? Isn't there anybody else that could talk to them? Okay, that's usually God prompting me to talk to them. So be open to that. If, If somebody points out to you, hey, is this out of balance or is this chasing so much? Be open to that. You know, chew the meat, spit out the bones, take what applies, and move on, okay? And be open to that. But even better than that, higher than that, let me give you this. Be open to the Holy Spirit. Be open to the Holy Spirit. He will just gently tap you and say, what about this? Is enough enough? Have you chased that? Is it too much? You know what? You're so busy, you don't even have time for these simple things of God. Are you too busy? Are you in the thrill sequence? Is it time to let up? And the best example I can give you as I close is my dad. Um, when I was little, the, the coolest thing about waking up on Sunday morning before we go to church was to see what trophies my dad won at the bowling tournament, okay? My dad was huge into bowling. He was the president of the Minnesota Bowling Association, all right? Big time. He was really a good bowler. We'd, he'd always win like first, second, or third, his team would, and he'd always, like, you know, 50% of the time, he'd be like the outstanding bowler, so he'd have another trophy, and we'd get him, and we'd play with him, we'd run around the house like we won, you know? We'd break the guys off. He didn't care. He was just glad to give them to us. He'd win another one the next weekend, and... And I can remember one day he just gave it up, just completely gave up bowling. And I asked him about it. I said, years later, I said, Dad, why did you quit bowling? Like, you were awesome. I mean, you were like the man. You were, you were great. And he said, you know, he said, one day I just felt the Holy Spirit just say, hey, you got four boys. And bowling's fun and all, but you got four boys, and they need a little more of your time. Do you want to live for what's really important, or do you want to live for smoke? And he said, I just thought, you know what? I really want to make sure that my four boys are godly boys and grow up in the ways of the Lord. And he said, and from that, I started to teach your Bible study. And from that, I became an elder in the church. And from that, I just added other at. And he said, I just lived for something just a little bit better. And can I just say this? Bowling is not a sin, okay? It's not a sin. But at the end of the day, the amount of time that he was giving to it, it really was amounting to smoke. You tracking with me? And there are things that we give so much time to that at the end of the day, it's smoke. It's gone more than a hobby, more than a relief valve, more than just a, an escape. It's become a thrill sequence that we're stuck in. And if God gently taps you and says, okay, give it up. It's not a sin, but it's time for you to give it up and live for something more important. Obey that. Obey that. And just listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying and say, go ahead, tap me, talk to me. I am ready to break out of the thrill sequence. So Lord, I pray right now for all of us here that we'd live for something more important. It's so beautiful that you allow us to live for something more important. And so I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Help us to choose to live for what really matters. And as we look at the thrill sequence, help us to break out of what culture has sucked us into and to say we're going to live for something higher. We thank you. We thank you for the way that we get to live, and it's a joy, and it's dessert, all these things that we get to experience, but never, never, never let us make dessert the main course. Thank you, Lord. Help us to live for more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.